Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. So you're praying, you're pleading, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. Nothing's happening. Heaven is silent. Nothing's changing. As a matter of fact, it seems like things are getting worse. Don't stop praying. Persist. Keep pressing in in prayer and trusting the Lord. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 37, in a message titled, The Unconventional Ways of Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Brian. In both of these stories that are a bit different, what is the main point? And I do think that J.C. Ryle, in his commentary on this event, I think he really did nail it. Now, just a little background. J.C. Ryle was the Anglican Bishop of Liverpool back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And um, just a godly, brilliant guy, wrote a, a volume on the Gospels that I refer to quite often. Uh, one of those guys who just seemed to have this ability to just look at a text and say, hey, there are three things right here in this text that we need to see. And usually it's like, yes, we did need to see those. How did I not see those? <laughs> How could you see those so clearly? But th- listen to what he said about this. And, and what I want to talk about here is Jesus working in unconventional ways. He said, there is one simple lesson to be learned from our Lord's conduct on this occasion. That lesson is that Christ was not tied to the use of any one means in doing his work among men. Sometimes he saw fit to work in one way, sometimes in another We see the same thing going on still in the church of Christ. We see continual proof that the Lord is not tied to the use of any one means exclusively in conveying grace to the soul. I think he he just hit it. That's exactly what is happening here. Jesus is showing us that he has all different kinds of ways of doing things. And the lesson for us is to be careful not to limit him to only working in ways that we are familiar with, maybe, or or ways that we approve. And another way to express that is we need to be careful not to put God in a box. Now, most of you have probably heard that terminology, right? You know, putting God in a box. What does that mean? That means that we are putting limitations on how God can do things. And we've got an idea of how God does do things. And maybe it's because that's how he did them in our life. Maybe that's how he did it in our church. Maybe that's how he did it in our tribe, our family of churches. And therefore, this is the way God does it. Well, yes, this is the way God did it for me. But it doesn't mean that this is the only way that God does it. And putting God in a box is to say he can't do it any other way than the way I'm familiar with and comfortable with. This is a huge problem in the church today because many people who would never even 
think that they're doing it are actually doing this very thing. They're, they're putting God in a box. And anytime we criticize what God is doing somewhere else, and you know, as long as there are those, those clear lines, you know, we don't go outside of the biblical understanding of things. But believe me, there's plenty of criticism and, and condemnation over people who are not going outside the biblical lines, but just doing things differently. But the, the moment we do that, then we are actually putting God in a box. And we have to be so careful. I, w- I read something. There's this guy that I, I like his books, and he's a, an Aussie guy from Sydney. And he's, um, he's kind of like an apologist. And anyway, he, had, he, he was helpful in the writing of a song by Hillsong, it's the creed song. We sing it. Um, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit and so forth. And um, I, I didn't know that he was involved in the writing of that song with the, the Hillsong team. And, and, but anyway, I was, I was reading about that today. And I thought, oh, that's, that's great. Uh, John Paul Dixon is his name. And uh, I thought, oh, that's cool that he was involved in that. But as I was looking at the comment part on the post... The first comment was some critical statement about Hillsong. You know, the, the person didn't like Hillsong. And so the very first comment was basically like, well, surely this song cannot really be meaningful or significant or we shouldn't be singing it because, you know, Hillsong wrote it and I don't approve of Hillsong and uh, because God could never use Hillsong to write a good song that we should sing because in the box I've got God in, uh, he just doesn't do that kind of stuff. Now, of course, the guy didn't think he had God in a box, but he certainly did. And I love the way John Dixon responded much more nicely than I would have. Uh, <laughs> he just said, well, what's the matter with... Um, I mean, we're singing a song of, based on the oldest creed in the history of the church that, that basically just spells out beautifully the truth of Scripture. Well, what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. Something's wrong with a person who criticizes it. But again, that kind of criticism comes from limiting God thinking that God can only do things a certain way. So I do think that J.C. Ryle is right here. I think what Jesus is doing is he's just kind of through these things, he's just really saying, you know, be careful not to try to box me in because I'm going to do things that are not the way you think they should be done, but it's okay, I'm God and, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing. And, and we need to realize that. You know, yesterday, uh, my friend and I, Julian, we were together. And uh, we went out to the uh, young adult conference yesterday. He, he went out there with me. And we were talking on our way home. And I want to kind of tell you a little bit of, of this story that will help you understand a little bit more clearly maybe what, what it is that I'm talking about when we don't want to put God in a box and how God often uses you know, people or, or circumstances that, that to us, we just sort of scratch our head and say, wait, you know, 
okay, that, that's who you're using or that's what you're doing. So, so anyway, we're talking about this mutual friend of ours, Kirk Cottrell. Kirk's in heaven. He died in a surfing accident back in 2001. It was a, really a freak thing. But in 1996, Kirk and his family and Cheryl and our family, uh, we were both headed to the mission field. He was going to South Africa and I was going to England. And we did that. But before we, you know, before we made that, that trek, each of us respectively to these places, we were connected. He was an East Coast surfer. I was a West Coast surfer. He owned a bunch of surf shops on the East Coast. And so they came out and we all surfed together and we prayed together. And okay, you go get them in South Africa. I'm going to England and let's see what happens. So anyway, he went and he was there about, I don't know, four, maybe five years. And then, like I said, just this freak surfing accident, he died. But he had an amazing impact. And this is what Julian and I were talking about, uh, the impact that this guy had. Now, I have to describe Julian a little bit and to show you the contrast and how God does some things uh, in an unorthodox fashion sometimes. So Julian is very proper. He's very precise. He's very articulate. He's educated. He's theologically has really clear understanding of doctrinal ideas and things like that. And Kirk is the farthest from that that you can ever get. So he's like the polar opposite in the other direction. And I don't even think Kirk knew what a systematic theology was. He didn't care. You know, he was surfing, loving Jesus, telling people they needed the Lord. Uh, For him, that was good enough. And so, but Julian's telling me that, you know, that, that, you know, he comes out of this theological background where, you know, he's been educated in a certain theological position and, and then he meets Kirk through these circumstances and, and Kirk, this kind of wild, crazy surfer guy just starts speaking these little things that, that start to really impact the way Julian sees things. And God uses Kirk, this again, very unorthodox person in a sense, uh, God uses him to redirect Julian in his whole life and ministry. And the reason why we were marveling and having this conversation is because we both said, man, what would Kirk think if he could see what happened today? He just took a step of faith and went to South Africa. He didn't know anybody in South Africa. But as we, as we were talking about it, we were talking about, so, so he's here with us teaching at our Bible college campus right now. And he's been with us over these years, pastored churches in uh, South Africa, went back, just did the church plant. But then one of the guys, Jason, who came out of Julian's church, he's now pastoring a church that I planted along with my friend, Phil Pachonis in North Devon, England, in a, in a little place called Willacombe. And then the even more crazy thing is another South African friend who was there with Julian and Monica in the very earliest days with Kirk. He is now pastoring the one and only Calvary Chapel in Belgium. And our whole point in our conversation and what we were just getting a kick out of is to think how God used Kirk, this out-of-the-box kind of guy, to impact these lives. And even though he's been in heaven for quite some time now, the legacy of of what he did is carrying on today. 
But my whole point is that it was completely unconventional. If Kirk would have gone to a, an established mission society and said, hey, I got a vision. I want to go to South Africa. I want a church plant. I want to be a missionary. You know, I guarantee 99% of the missions agencies would have turned him down. They would have just said, well, okay, now what qualifies you to do this? Well, I surf. <laughs> if the missions agency knew anything, that might be okay because there's a lot of surfing in South Africa. Uh, okay, but what else? Well, I'm a surf shop owner. Um, I don't know. I, I, Africa sounds like a cool place. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, he would have had no qualification to go do this from the standpoint of a mission organization. But guess what? Jesus does things unconventionally. And he uses people. Now, I have to confess, I myself have... I'm like Julian in some ways. I have very clear lines on what I like and dislike and want and don't want and who I think God should use and shouldn't use. I have all of that stuff. But you know what? God is constantly messing things up for me. (laughs) And he just constantly reminds me, you know, Brian, look, I, I really am in charge, you know. Yeah, I know you wouldn't do it that way, but that's okay because I'm God and I thought that this was really the best way to do it. And I have to concede and say, okay, Lord, I, yeah, I wouldn't have done it that way. I guarantee you're right about that. But evidently, you know what you're doing. And that's, that's what we cannot forget. Jesus works unconventionally. Now, of course, I shared this already this morning, right? So this lady comes up to me, and I know her. And so she's telling me this story about her brother, who she says the last time she had a conversation with her brother, he told her, if you don't ever talk to me about Jesus again, I don't ever want to hear a word about Jesus again. I I hate God. I don't, don't even, I, you know, and he was actually kind of almost violent. And she just said, okay, I'll never talk to you again. And she said, and then he divorced his wife and all of this stuff. And she's describing how, you know, he's such a bad guy. And and then she said, but then here's the crazy thing. He meets this Christian woman. (laughs) And he marries her. Now, you know, he divorces his wife and then he meets this woman and he marries her and she's a Christian. And, And she goes, and guess what? All he wants to talk about now is Jesus and how good Jesus is and what God's done in his life and how wonderful it is. And, and, you know, and she's telling me, like, but how does that work? So, well, that's kind of unconventional, right? I don't know how that works. But God does things that to us just we can sometimes scratch our heads and say, wow, I did not see that coming. But let's not forget that. And I'll come back and close with that in a moment. But there's two other things that I want to just take us back to. Two takeaways from these stories. One from the story of the woman and her daughter and the other from, from the deaf man. And, and I want you to, because I think there's somebody here today that this is going to really minister to. Um, now, remember this woman, her daughter is under the power of demons, Her daughter is helpless, seemingly hopeless, and this woman has one opportunity, and she's going to seize it. 
Jesus, the son of David, is here in my vicinity. So she goes to him. But what we don't necessarily see because, you know, we're reading the story and she's actually having an encounter with Jesus. This is really a woman who's praying. And she's going straight to the source. She's going right to God in the flesh. Now, at that time, she, I'm sure she probably doesn't even realize the full extent of who it is that she's talking to. But the reality is she is praying for her daughter. That's what she's doing. She's interceding. She's pleading. And, you know, think of her as a picture of a person who prays. And isn't it true that sometimes when we pray, we feel like the Lord is ignoring us? You ever felt that way before? She felt like that because he actually was looking like he was ignoring her. He wasn't, but it seemed like that. And isn't it true sometimes that even when we pray, even there are times we feel like God is rebuffing us? God's just, no, I'm not gonna do that. But what does she do? She perseveres. This woman is not gonna take no for an answer. Even when Jesus says, no, it's not right to do that, she said, oh no, Lord, you're wrong. It is right. Because even the dogs under the table, they're gonna eat the crumbs. And so what we need to take away from this is that the woman prayed for her daughter who couldn't pray. And she did not rest until her prayer was answered. And as hopeless and desperate as this young girl's case appeared, she had a praying mother. And this is the truth. Where there is a praying mother or a praying father, there is always hope. So someone in here today, maybe more than one of you, you're praying, you're pleading, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. Nothing's happening. Heaven is silent. Nothing's changing. As a matter of fact, it seems like things are getting worse. Don't stop praying. That's what this woman shows us. Persist. Keep pressing in in prayer and trusting the Lord. Like I said earlier, sometimes God, he's wanting to strengthen our faith. And ultimately, he's wanting to bring our faith out to say, look, you, you know, they trusted me, even when it seemed an impossible situation. So keep praying. And then secondly, with the man who's deaf and mute, now the Lord healed this man physically. But, you know, spiritually, many people are in a, a deaf and a mute state. And what we need to know is that God can heal people spiritually as well, just like that woman's brother. You know, man, he was deaf to the, to the gospel. He had his own ears plugged, didn't want to hear another word of it. And again, to quote from J.C. Ryle, he said this, he said, God can give the chief of sinners a hearing ear. He can make them delight in listening to the very gospel that they once ridiculed and despised. He can teach the hardest transgressors to call upon the Lord. He can put a new song in the mouth of those whose talk was only of the things of the world and the flesh. He can make the vilest person speak of the things of the Holy Spirit and testify concerning the gospel of the grace of God. It is true. He can do that. And you know, as I read this quote, in my mind's eye, I thought of 
how many people I know who sit now with an open Bible, pouring over the pages of scripture, drinking in God's word, who were at one time blasphemers, who were at one time haters of God, who were at one time mockers of those who believed in Jesus. And my, my friend Mike told me after the service, he's, and we've known each other. We got saved about the same time here back in the late 70s, and we've known each other since then. And, and Mike said, you know, we had this thing, and he was talking about some guys that I knew, and he said, uh, and, th- and there, were th- there was this one guy who became a Christian before us, and he, sa- he said, we used to mock him and ridicule him and make fun of him. And he said, then one night they came to one of those concerts back in those days here on a Saturday night. And there was a band that was playing that was singing a song. Uh, the, the band had written a song about, you know, that kind of an experience where they had mocked and they had ridiculed. And it was like a guy named John. And they were like, in the song, they were, you know, I'd really love to go back and tell John I'm sorry and so forth. <laughs> and Mike said, that song is playing. And he looks across the room and the very guy that they had mocked and ridiculed and despised because of his faith was right there in the crowd. And he said he went up afterward and just, you know, broke down and said, man, I'm so sorry. I'm a Christian now. And, and, you know, sorry for the way we treated you. And, but God does those kinds of things, right? And I would imagine that all of us probably, at least to some degree, can relate, especially those of us who were not raised in a Christian environment, not raised in the faith. There was certainly a time in my life where I thought Christians were crazy. And when I saw them coming, I made sure that I went the other way as quick as I could. I don't want to hear those Jesus freak people because I thought they were more freaks than Jesus and I just didn't want to go there. But listen, this is what God does. And, And this is part of this unconventional thing that I'm talking about. And so let's not put God in a box. Rather, let's just stand by and see what kind of extraordinary things the Lord will do. And let's not limit what God might do. There's something so wonderful and so amazing about the unconventional ways of Jesus. Like I said with Julian and I yesterday, by the end of our conversation about Kirk, we were just filled with joy at what God has done. And part of the the humor in all of it was how unconventional a person it was that God used to start this ripple effect that even though he's long since gone to heaven, is still carrying on to this day. And, and I just want to see more and more and more of that. I, I pray, I want to see more people that were God mockers, haters, blasphemers coming with big old Bibles and saying, man, I want to know about Jesus. Teach me God's word. That's what God does. And that's what we should take away from this story. And, you know, maybe you've been that super conventional person that has ended up, you know, maybe despising, maybe criticizing, maybe even missing out 
on things that God is doing because you've got God in your little box. He's really not in there. You think he is, but he's not. He's, he's out. <laughs> he's free. He's doing his thing all around the world. You've got an empty box, actually. Um, so just, just get rid of the box and enjoy the unconventional ways of Jesus. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. Progressive Christianity undermines the authority of Scripture and redefines many essential truths of the gospel. With powerful insight and intellectual integrity, Elisa Childers compares and contrasts the historic Christian gospel with the progressive gospel, enabling you to wrestle with doubts of your own or the challenge of others to the historic Christian faith. The book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.